Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Gabe Ramirez here on 670 to score. Feels like a week flew by, studs. The fact that this song hits the same as it did last week, putting a smile on my face, shocks me every single time. It it never gets old. It really doesn't. doesn't. uh, let Let me rephrase. When it first came out, it got old after a few months. Then ten years went by, and now I'm now I'm back. It's back around, and I'm, I'm liking gimmicky. it again. I go everything. Everything that's old comes back new. You know, it's like style, and so that song will live free now, rent free in your head for the rest of the evening. Uh, right here on uh, Six Seventy Swords, Gabe Ramirez. Uh, glad you guys are hanging out with me on a Friday, man. Going to be here till nine o'clock. We got Russ Dorsey hanging out at about seven twenty. Going to be talking some bulls, uh, of course, uh, some bears. And a couple of other things that are on my mind, and the way we'll start the show is the way we always do. I call it the trifecta, the top three stories that have been living in my brain rent-free all day. Three, that's a magic number. Morrell going to third, he will slide, he's got a triple. Number three. Miss Chicago, too. We moved about uh, eight months ago, and I've, I've been lucky enough to be back a couple times, but um, had a great 10 years there and, and really miss it every day. Theo Epstein right there talking to Mully and Hall earlier today. It's got to feel good, though, right? I mean, right now he's the Major League Baseball's consultant for on-field matters. Damn, I wish I could get to that level where, like, they just make up titles and then they just throw you, you know, millions of dollars to fix things. That sounds about right. But it's got to be good to hear him say that, right? I mean, you miss Theo. You want him back. You wish he could fix things and wave his magic wand over Wrigley Field. But it's good to hear him say he misses Chicago. And, dude, he moved He moved out eight months ago, and you, you had your opportunity up until then. And now you just have to hope you run into him. He, he had some really cool things to say to Mully and Hall. We'll get into the rest of it in just a second. But, you know, with him being a consultant for Major League Baseball, they, the guys asked him if it was weird to be in that current situation. Theo, you did a great job explaining it, but admit it, you you miss running a team a little bit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. This this time of year, I wake up and I, I have that feeling like I'm forgetting something. I realize, you know, like my body thinks I'm supposed to be in spring training right now, meeting with players, figuring stuff out. So yeah, this 
this time of year, you know, the draft, the trade deadline, postseason, uh, really do miss it. But I'm not even 50 yet, so I got, I got some years ahead of me to get back in. I think this is uh, – I'm in the right role right now. I really appreciate the commissioner – um, give me the seat at the table for this important issue. I really hope that he made you smile the way that he made me smile. And I'm not even like a true Cubs fan like that. Just felt good. Seems like such a good guy. Seems like he gets it. He figures things out. He's a he's a betterist, like I like to call myself. He can make things better. And he's trying to make Major League Baseball better. And again, I'll play some clips from you where he talks about the rule changes and his thoughts on that uh, after the trifecta. Number two. Bulls lose to the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday. What a crappy game, man. Just listen to the final call. It even sounded crappy. So the Bulls lose their sixth in a row. Milwaukee wins for the first time over the Bulls this year. We'll be in Milwaukee in early April. Ball game over. Bucks 112 and the Bulls 100. Chuck Swirsky right there with the call. He was the long, it was there along with Bill Wennington and Alyssa Berger Mini. Bulls lose the game, and it was it was I know I don't know if you heard the record. Bulls were like 20-0 on TNT in home games, their last 20 games. Something like that. Beating teams that were just... And I just thought they, to myself... They, they won 20 in a row. 20 in a row. At home, went on TNT. Yeah, yeah. And I which was... Which is maybe the most unbreakable record in all of sports now. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, but you thought they were going to be able to do something, especially there was no Bobby Portis, a Chicago Bull killer. There was no Chris Middleton. He was He's a Bull killer as well. And then Giannis only played nine minutes yesterday. Fell to the ground, had a wrist injury, had to leave. They didn't want to risk anything else. And you thought to yourself, at least I did as I was watching the game, like, oh, okay, this is a very winnable game. Zach Vooch and the gang, you thought they could do their thing. And they just got embarrassed. They got embarrassed. When you're looking at the three-point shooting of Milwaukee, 18 for 47. 47 three-pointers. The Bulls, on the other hand, only shot 32. But that's like right around where they average. But think about that. How far you are from a top-tier team that's shooting 47 three-pointers. And that's how they ultimately ended up beating the Bulls. I mean, Grayson Allen put down two. Brooke Lopez was shooting from, like, Damon Lillard range. Javon Carter put four in the air. And then A.J. Green, a guy off the bench. You could tell it was almost like they were trying to match our Carly Jones to their A.J. Green. And then A.J. Green just absolutely destroyed them, shooting five for seven from the three-point line. But the Bulls, absolutely embarrassed yesterday. I was embarrassed for them. Um, Tough game to watch. Fortunately, they get some time off so they can uh, regroup over the All-Star break that's happening right now. The celebrity game is going on right now. Uh, But damn, man, Bulls, what a way to not only end the streak, but just to go into the All-Star break, not necessarily exuding confidence. Uh, But I guess we've got to just wait and see what ends up happening. Number one. Number one story inside the trifecta right here on 670. The score is Gabe Ramirez. Of course, it is. Do we have to say happy birthday to the greatest to ever do it? Michael Jeffrey Jordan, born on this date in 1963, born in Brooklyn. We know he has his North Carolina roots, but he didn't he didn't move to North Carolina until he was five. But mom was a banker, dad was, you know, a maintenance guy, supervisor, and then they, they moved Jordan to North Carolina in five years after that in sixty-eight. The guy averaged thirty six people always talk about like when they try to argue for LeBron, like, oh dude, LeBron was grabbing rebounds and a sit like passing. Jordan averaged thirty six and five in his career. Like thirty points, six rebounds, five assists. Like that's not, that's that's no slouch. If, if Zach Levine would have got a fifth rebound yesterday, I would have won a ton of money. So I wish he, you know, I wish he could have averaged something like that. And then let's not forget, he averaged, he averaged two point three steals a game. Think about that, steals a game. That's what his average was. Like talk about being a great defender and almost a block a game at point eight. Jordan, obviously putting up some incredible stats. Uh, one of the few to score three thousand in the season. So happy birthday to the GOAT. 
the the ba- not the baby goat, but the actual goat himself, Michael Jordan. And you can't argue with me because you're going to lose. All right, that's your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. That's a magic number. Right here on 670 The Score. It is Gabe Ramirez here on a Friday night. Shout out to everybody that's listening on the Odyssey app. And shout out to everybody that's listening on the HD2 channel, 104.3 HD2. Anthony Heron sent me a message today on Instagram. I should have sent I should have sent you the, the clip, studs, so you could get the audio. And him and I, we have these conversations a lot about Jordan and LeBron. And it was basically like this skit where they're at the barbershop and somebody randomly comes in and is like, you know, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And then his boss, like the guy who wants to argue with him, then somebody's like, LeBron is, is the best or whatever. And he's like, after Jordan. And then they're about to get into it. And then his boss calls him. He's like, you better be at work in 15 minutes. He's like, I got to go. And then the guy says something about LeBron and he stays. They just start going back and forth. The guy's about to have a baby. Can't leave the baby. Can't go see the baby because the guy says something about LeBron. It's pretty funny. You got to check that out. But to me, there, there's, there's clearly no debate. Uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, the greatest of all time. Happy birthday! To, well, this is to and, you know this is a Chicago sports station, yeah. so MJ's the goat. I mean, you can have an idiot that's on the airwaves saying otherwise, you know. And, and although they're wrong, though, yeah, they're, 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 they they would be a hundred percent wrong. And there's going to be someone that comes on the airwaves here in Chicago that's going to try to make some sort of argument, you know, like in ten years when like a younger guy comes and says some something blasphemous on the radio, like. Anyways, I don't even want to waste my time having that conversation right now. There's uh, no point. No point. It is Gabe Ramirez. I mentioned earlier we'd. Circle back to some of the stuff that Theo Epstein was talking about with Mully and Haw. It was some good stuff, man. If you didn't catch it earlier today, um, obviously he is the consultant for On Field Matters, and On Field Matters this season is going to be highlighted because there are several rule changes uh, that are coming to Major League Baseball. And Theo talked about who the changes themselves cater to. The standard can't be to make everybody happy because that's, that's never, as a famous American once said, you, know, you can't please all the people all the time. So that's not going to happen. But look, these rules are, rule changes are designed for the fans. And so I think it will, in, in the long run, go really well and make for a better version of baseball, a more entertaining product for the fans, and therefore, you know, greater interest uh, in, in the game and a better industry overall for everybody that, that lifts, lifts everyone, including the players. And I think it'd be better for the players too. You know, we did an extensive amount of fan outreach through surveys, through focus groups to get the fans input on what they, what they liked about baseball and what they didn't like about baseball. And, and while everyone has a different version of what, you know, the best version of baseball might be, that there was a lot of consensus around likes and dislikes. And the, the likes were stolen bases, doubles, triples, great defensive plays, anything that involves action, athleticism, multiple players in motion, you know, drama, suspense. And as I said earlier, the, the, a lot of those things are at generational lows with the way the game has evolved to the three true outcomes. And then dislikes were, you know, inaction, dead time uh, between pitches, between at-bats, uh, pitching changes, mound visits, things like that, where there's nothing going on. So, you know, we sat down to test a bunch of rules in the minor leagues, checked in with fans along the way to make sure that the, you know, the, the impact of the rules resulted in a game that was more enjoyable for fans. That's Theo Epstein talking to Mullion Hall earlier today, and I love what he said about the game itself, right? It's evolved. Things were at an all-time low, so you had to change something. And I think it's, it's interesting that he points out and tries to have us understand it in the present that the game evolves, and what we are watching is a different evolution of the, the game that many people have been watching for decades, and this just happens to be its own iteration of it. And 
the rule changes, again, are supposed to enhance the product for the fans, right, because of the things that they want to see, and I hear them. I want to see action. I like the guy on second base. I never thought you'd see a guy on second base and start extra innings for a baseball game because you're just so used to seeing, you know, the occasional 18, 20-inning game that lasts till 2 in the morning. But ultimately, nobody really wants to be doing that. So you love the drama, the heightened drama that a man on second gives you. It puts more pressure on the, the pitcher, more pressure on the team, and also increases the, the probability that a run is scored. So I can see things like that. But, but out of all the rule changes, Theo Epstein talked about the one that he liked the best. Is that your favorite new rule then, the pitch clock? Or do you have one that you just like the look of it? Is there any one that really appeals to you? Yeah, I like the pitch timer because I think it's going to have the greatest impact. And, you know, it, the, the, the pace of play has slowed um, a little bit each year for the last 20-plus years to the point where, you know, you never even notice it changing so much. But that – but then if you, you know, you tune into a game from the 70s or 80s, you know, late at night on the MLB network, you tune into a game, you look up and you see, I remember a few years ago, one of the games in the uh, 1975 World Series was on. You notice it right away. It's like, wow, this is such a better version of baseball. Louis Tiant is getting the ball, gets his sign and fires like a pitch every 10 seconds. And you can't take your eyes off it. And then you sit there and you realize, wow, the game, not only does the game last 30, 40 minutes, shorter without all the dead time but it just the action just jumps out at you and sort of the organic flow of the game every time you take a breath there's a pitch delivery which is kind of the way it's supposed to be it keeps you locked in and creates a better version of baseball so we're so used to now the pitcher taking a stroll around the mound the hitter stepping out adjusting his batting gloves and everything else (laughs) between pitches that I think is just going to be a breath of fresh air, um, resulting in you know better pace of play, get everyone home 20, 30 minutes earlier, and then importantly, also a, a, a better version of baseball. And we saw in our in our experiments in the minor leagues that with the pitch timer, once players adjusted to it again after those three four week adjustment period, pitchers actually threw more strikes with the pitch timer because there's locked in more and, and, and more efficient hitters swung the bat a little bit more often. Uh, fielders uh, were locked in and, and in, in the game and therefore made, made better defensive plays. So just, just overall a crisper, better version of baseball. So, yes, yeah, that's probably the one I'm most excited about. La Leyenda, the legend, Theo Epstein, right there, uh, talking with Mully and Hall earlier today on 670. The score, what's up? It's Gabe Ramirez. It's cool to hear him say stuff like that. The pitch clock, when he talks about baseball in the 70s and you know, can't take your eyes off of it type baseball where where the guys are getting the ball and throwing. I mean, me as a Sox fan, that's what I loved about Mark Burley, right? The pace of, of play and the speed in which he delivered it, and it just made it more compelling, and I think that's exciting because you can't imagine it. You could think about it, but you can't imagine it because you've never seen it. And now knowing that we're just, you know, about a month away from, from watching a, this kind of baseball is, is really exciting, man, and I can't wait. And we actually get to continue the conversation about baseball. One of my guys, Russ Dorsey, uh, Works for Stadium, uh, does a ton of stuff with MLB. He's going to be joining us. I want to hear his thoughts on on these rule changes. Does he does he think that it's enough to really get baseball at the forefront of American culture? Uh, we'll we'll talk to him and find out the answers after the break. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ultimately, I think the game is about the players and it's for the fans. And these rules, um, once the adjustment period happens, should put the players even more in the forefront of the action, you know, more, more frequently, not having to wait four minutes to put a ball in play, put the players right in the spotlight, and ultimately it'll be a better, better version of baseball on, on the field for, for the fans. Theo Epstein talking about the brand new baseball experience we are to get this upcoming season. It's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score, and right now, Let's talk a little bit about the rule changes. Talk a little bit about uh, his favorite team, I'm assuming, uh, right now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the national MLB insider for Bally Sports. He's also the host at the rally. Of course, I'm talking about my guy, none other than Russell Dorsey. Russ, what's going on, man? How are you? Gabe, it's been a while. What's going right? on, bro? I know. I was like, we hung out on Sports Talk Live a couple of years ago, and then we <laughs> and then they canceled. It. And then they canceled it. We didn't get a chance to get up again after that. And I, I thought we had a budding relationship starting right there. We in that do. Space. We do. <laughs> I still live in town, bro. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get it popping. We got to get up. Um. So I mean, listen. I know you love baseball in a way that that most don't, man. And that's why I'm really excited to talk to you about not only the rule changes, but just the direction of both of the teams in town and then some of the other happenings across baseball. But first, let's talk about the rule changes themselves. They seem drastic. But then, you know, you've heard other people, you know, talk about, well, you know, the shift is just going to be done by a different, you know, position player as opposed to the infielder. It might be an outfielder. And then the pitch clock, like, ah, it's kind of in range with what people are doing. I mean, what's your take on on the the rule changes and how do you really think they're going to affect the game? 
All right, man. So, like, I wrote actually wrote a column about this this morning at ValleySports.com. And for me, baseball's been around for damn near 150 years, Gabe, right? So over that time, there's a natural evolution that happens. And there are going to be some things because of that evolution where it's like, okay, this is something that could change with a different era and different time. There, there are a lot of uh, loopholes that can be found, and we've seen some of those over the years, right? And I think if you look at whether it is the pitch clock, whether it is uh, the batters only being able to step out once, whether it's uh, the pick out, uh, pickoff limit, I think every rule that they've made, uh, whether it's uh, the runner on second base and extras, it is to preserve time. And you played the clip of Theo from earlier today with Mully and all, and it's just like, look, I know selfishly for me, when I was on the beat and there were extra inning games, everybody hated it because <laughs> most people most people got to go home, right? right, right but right. I didn't want to be there till, you know, one thirty, <laughs> two o'clock, and then you got to go down to the clubhouse. Don't nobody want to talk to you or is in there anyway. Right. And then uh, uh, the side that I don't hear people talking about or as I fans who, you know, we, we love fans because fans read and they listen, but – Fans are the ones complaining because if you ask players, they don't want to be there till two thirty three playing a seventeen inning game at all. So I think in the long run, this is fine for baseball. I understand peers out there like, ah, oh, this is wasn't this wasn't the way the game was designed. Well, the game was designed when uh, they, were, they were using sacks as bases and the baseball didn't fly. So it, it's gonna be okay. We added they added the universal DH a couple years ago, and you don't hear people complaining. Uh, that are like, oh, man, I really wanted to watch pitcher strike out 99% of the time. You right. know what I mean? Or laid on a bunt with two, with one out just to move, you know, right. do some crazy, right? I want to see brothers hitting the ball in the ballpark, right, nice. making things happen. I don't want to see you know, a pitcher who has no shot, shot against Jacob deGrom or Verlander or Scherzer go up there and whiff three times. Yeah, and kind of, you know, just kind of making their statistics balloon a little bit as well, getting that extra strikeout every every nine right. batters. Um, but I, I look at it, and another thing that I also like, Russ, is the fact that the, the teams are going to be playing everybody, right? And it's not going to be so heavy on your, on your specific uh, division. Uh, do, right. do you like that, or did you like kind of like the interdivision rivalries where you see a team 17 times in September, and you're like, hey, we're eight games out. But if we sweep yeah. them two times, then we're going to be all right. <laughs> no, I, I like the balanced schedule for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, when I was a kid, Gabe, and in the late 90s, early 1000s, it was just like, all right, if I watch baseball, my pops watch baseball, so I know who all the stars are. But for the casual baseball watcher out there, if Barry Bonds wasn't coming – Right. To the South Side, people who were Sox fans weren't going to see him. If, uh, you know, A-Rod wasn't playing at Wrigley Field in the handful of interleague games, you know, Cubs fans wouldn't see him. And so now for people all over, you know, the world, uh, world all over the country especially, if there are stars in your city, you're going to get a chance to see them. Like, they're going to be able to play your team. You're going to be able to see them on TV. And for a long time, that wasn't the case. And I, and I think – you know, one of the best parts about baseball is that, look, there are a lot of stars in a lot of different cities, especially now. Like, imagine being 30 years ago and you not being able to see a guy like a Shohei Otani. Yeah. That's insane. And so you're going to be able to be able to market stars better, which has been an issue in baseball for such a long time. I think from the baseball aspect of it, it puts in a, a more of an importance on those division games, right? Like, because you're not going to be able to see somebody 18 times 
you can't just be able to beat up on the bottom feeders of your division, right? Like, you're going to have to play some of the big boys more times now. Yeah. So I, I think you look at some of those uh, interdivision rivalries a, a little bit closer now, like all those years where, you know, you could look at uh, the Kansas City Royals or the Tigers last year and say, well, the Sox got three games against the Tigers. They'll be able to eat a little bit. Or the Cubs, like, well, the Cubs got the Pirates in town, so they'll be able to eat. <laughs> you, won't be, you won't have those games anymore. So, yeah, you're, you'll still have some games against those opponents and against those opponents in, in other um, divisions. But at the same time, you're going to have to see the Yankees more. You're going to have to see the Padres more. You're going to have to see the Dodgers more. You're going to have to see, you know, uh, you know the, the Blue Jays. So, I, I like the balanced schedule, and I think you're, you're going to start seeing a little bit more intensity in some of those uh, divisional matchups. He's the host of the Rally and National MLB Insider for Bally Sports. Russell Dorsey joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. It gives you more parity. It allows for right. that. And if you are, like, let's say if you are the Baltimore Orioles and you have you feel like you have a decent team, then you're not necessarily getting beat up on by the Red Sox. You know, like you said, seeing those guys right. more – they get to see those guys less and, and, and get a true judgment and a true like vision of who they are as a squad compared to the rest of the MLB landscape. Now, you mentioned, Russ, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, I know you love the game. I know you, you, you know the superstars and some other teams. And so heading into the season, right, as you're looking at the landscape of Major League Baseball, like who is a who, – who I don't even want to say a player, but who is a team that you really like? Because I know you're unbiased in that sense where you could look – me, I look at a team and I'm like, trash, because it's not the White Sox. You'll look at a team <laughs> and be like, damn, these guys are pretty good and very likable. I uh, So there's a couple teams out there for me, Gabe. Uh, one, I'll, I'll start in the American League, and I look at a team in the Seattle Mariners, and they have this young superstar in Julio Rodriguez who won – AL Rookie of the Year last year, like that that dude's gonna be around for a long time. He's gonna be a problem. Like that's a team out in the AL West. Yeah, I know you have the Houston Astros, who are the reigning World Series champions, and they they have a, a great team again this year, maybe even better, adding Jose Abreu. Oh but I, I think at the same time, you have a team up there in Seattle that is hungry. They made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years last season. And they, they have a roster up and down the lineup where you're like, yo, there's some dudes in here. And they added T. Oscar Hernandez in the offseason uh, in a trade with the Blue Jays. So I think that's a team that I really like uh, in the American League. The other team in the AL, the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladdy Jr. is up there. He's doing his thing. But they added a kid in Dalton Varsho. His dad played for the Cubs uh, in, the, in the 80s and Gary Varsho. And this guy uh, – he was a catcher. He played right field. He played center. Uh, one of the best defense, uh, defensive outfielders in all of baseball last year. But he also hit 27 homers. And he, they, they added him to the, their, their lineup now. He's going to be their center fielder. George Springer moves over to right. So that, that's a really good team up there in the six in Toronto. I don't know if Drake's going to be a game, <laughs> but he should. If they, if they start winning, then really he will. Good. Right. If they, if they you, win. Know, you know how he gets. If somebody's winning, I'm going to go to the game. He's like, damn, the Blue Jays looking good. Vlad, he got right. Vlad jersey, like the whole thing. Right, right. Like he's been there. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Oh, we're talking to Russ Dorsey here on 670, the score. All right, so another team in the AL. I mentioned them. I love them. It is the White Sox. And Russ, man, like last year, I, I was one of those fans that literally like probably up like 80% through the season. I was like, okay, they're going to turn it around. Something's going to happen. Everything's going to line up, you know. And then it never did. So it, it left right. most fans with the level of frustration. But they have a new manager. You know, they move on mm-hmm. from Jose Abreu. They put the onus on a lot of these guys, these younger guys that they've been tr- wanting to depend on. It's like, hey, this is your team now. 
What do you feel like? I look at the over under, right? If you're looking for gambling, it's sitting at 84. White Sox won 81, right. 81 last year. So the assumption is that they are going to be better. But I don't want to put my heart out there and believe that narrative. Right. All right, Gabe. So I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to list off some things <laughs> and you tell me where you're at when I'm done. The White Sox uh, traded arguably still their best player and their clubhouse. Uh, they let him walk, uh, Jose Abreu, in free agency, right? So you got to tell me, Gabe, who's the leader in that clubhouse, right? Yeah. At the same time, last year, you said you were, you were hoping, you were praying, you and my pops up there like, oh, they're going to turn it around, they're going to turn it around. And they didn't. And I looked at a team last year that was extremely talented. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, they, were always, they always had somebody out, whether it was Tim Anderson at the end of the season, yeah. whether it was Lloyd, whether it was Robert, whether it was Yasmani Grandal. Like, this Mankata, is who the White yeah. Sox have become, Mankata, over the last five years. And you can only say you're unlucky for so long before that people say, okay, that's who you are. Mm. And so for me, and I think for a lot of people out there, the White Sox have to prove like they're that team that they thought they were going to be going into 2022. I think in a lot of regards, Gabe, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think the White Sox got a little taste in 2021. And they, they, you, you puff your chest out, you're feeling really good, and then you go up against a team in the Houston Astros that's been there and done that, and they're like, no, 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 this is what a real playoff team yeah. looks like. And they got embarrassed, and then you come back, and they just they regress in a lot of different ways. And so for me, this might be the last opportunity for the White Sox in a division that is no dog, right? Like, yeah, I think you could say the Cleveland Guardians aren't don't necessarily have some of the top in talent that the White Sox do, but Minnesota got better, right? The Guardians are still going to you know do what they do over the what they've done over the last five years with Terry Francona, and so after the season. Lucas Giolito's a free agent. After next season, Tim Anderson's a free agent. Moncada's going to be a free agent the year following, and so Aloy. So you really got to look around, uh, and they kind of have they kind of have to have an identity check and say, who are we, and who do we want to be? And so I think they hope that bringing in Pedro Grafal as their manager, you know, and, and get, uh, not having Tony La Russa in that seat anymore. Look, the scapegoat's gone. Right. Yeah. If you're going to play up to the level that you thought you were going to be at, you got to do it this year because you can't say, oh, man, Tony was here and guys don't like him and all that. No, you have to show up at the at guaranteed rate field every day and show people why you should be the best team in the AL Central. You're absolutely right. And when you're looking at the White Sox, you mentioned it initially. Jose Abreu walks and it, it is stunning. Russ, when you look at the, the stats from last year's White Sox team and he leads like 85 percent of the statistical categories and you're thinking yeah. to yourself, how the hell did they think that this was just going to be replaced without adding? Without you know, you added Andrew Benatendi, but you're not adding right. someone. You just you're banking like they have been doing, like you mentioned over the last five years, on the talent that they have on their team, and that's exactly what they're doing. Well, we're banking on on Andrew Vaughn to play better. We're banking on Yon Makata, Yasmani Grandal to be healthier. But the reality is, there there is no true and clear cut leader. But we know it begins with the coach. Now we know Griffo is going to be the leader until someone kind of steps into that space. Another thing you said that I really I, I I mention it all the time is you know that that playing over their heads right where they, they were ahead of schedule and and where they, they people thought like oh man look they're only going to get better but that wasn't the case for the team right where like they hit they did hit a wall they did look at Houston and say we ain't him right <laughs> like, like that's right. that's him right there like that's a different that's dude. a different beast <laughs> like we are yeah. not that we and then we come back the next year and we're thinking yeah 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 and it's like no 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 <laughs> you got a no, lot no, of work no, no, to no. do at still all. not it's still not it's still not so so do you think that 
they do you think Pedro Grifo is the guy to get them to play? Because like, let's say Russ, I thought you know what I'm saying. I was like, okay, I said Ozzy will not let Yoan not be Yoan Moncada, right? Meaning that yeah. I thought that guy would be able to get the best out of his players. Do you feel like Grifo can do that same thing and get the best out of these guys? I, I think the, that's what Rick Hahn and company are banking on, that he can get more out of this team than uh, Tony LaRusa did. I, I think for me, at the end of the day, Gabe, these guys got to want it. Like, there were a lot yeah. of times last year where they were playing, you know, teams like the Kansas City Royals, that they were more talented than, and they would get embarrassed in a lot of regards. Like, that month of September where they were still technically in it and had a shot at the wild card, and they let the Cleveland Guardians come in there and embarrass them. Oh, my God. That, that's something that should be burned into their minds going into 2023, right? You got a team that clinched the division in your place and had the videos talking about F the White Sox and all this and that. Like, <laughs> so, that should be something so that you remember. You know what I mean? Oh like, somebody, you let somebody come into your house and embarrass <laughs> you. That should be there – should, there should be no other motivation for them this season than playing that video – over and over yeah. again of the Guardians players saying F the White Sox because that, that, that's how people looked at you. Like they looked at a team that rolled over and died in September. And so until they show people that that's not this team, like that's how people are, are going to look at the White Sox. And I think they're hoping that bringing in a guy like an Andrew Benintendi that's been in Boston and, you know, and has won and has really changed who he was as a player in Kansas City, coming back with Pedro Grafol, who was his bench coach in KC, that they really start to change who they are as a team. We're talking to Russ Dorsey here on 670, the score, host of the rally, MLB insider for Bally Sports. Russ, can't let you go without talking about the Chicago Cubs. I, yeah. I, I was saying, I did like a show yesterday specifically on just the baseball happenings, and I said, I, I said, I have to look into my soul to see, like, why do I like this Cubs team, even as a Sox fan? And then I said, okay, well, I've just been following baseball a little bit more closely, you know, since being on the score for, for the last year. But I love the fire of this squad. I love the the scrappiness of it from last year I'm talking yeah. about. And then I love – I actually love David Ross. I think he's doing a great job of getting the best out of some of these players. But I want you to speak specifically to the starting pitching because for me, I'm oddly more of a believer in the pitching than probably the average Cubs fan. And maybe because yeah. I was just seeing spots of it last year throughout the season – and I'm curious what your take is, and maybe I'm just delusional, or, or do you think I'm spot on when it comes to this, this, this pitching staff being one that can, can be above average? Yeah, well, I think when you look at this Cubs team, and specifically the starting pitching, you got to look at some of the other moves that they make as to why you like it. And, and, and tell me if I'm wrong in this, this being the reason that you like it. Yeah. They added Cody Bellinger, who, while I think they overpaid a little bit for his services, is a gold glove caliber center fielder. Then you have Nico Horner, who was fantastic, one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball last year. He was a gold glove finalist at second base. You move him over to second, and you add the other guy who was a, a, uh, one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball in Dansby Swanson, and you are strong up the middle, hmm. right? Like, you're going to be able to pick up the baseball in half. Uh, won a gold glove last season and the improvements that he made. And so – even the, uh, uh, having a guy like Eric Hosmer there who has played the position for a long time, might not be defensively what he has been in the past, but a veteran guy. Capable. I think they, they are able to catch the baseball 
And for so many times over the last couple of years, including that last year with, with the big boys and Brian and Rizzo and, and Bias, they didn't play well defensively, right? They didn't catch the baseball. And, and I think you saw last year where they really kind of bottomed out and, and wanted to see what they had in their rebuild. Like, that's so important. Like, you might not be the most talented team in the world, but if you can catch the baseball, like, you're going to win yourself a lot of games. Look at the Cleveland Guardians. That's what made them so good. Yeah. They were able to catch the baseball, and they pitched well. So to the second half of that, you look at their starting staff. Like you have a guy in Marcus Stroman who knows how to cut it and sink it. He already said that Sanker going to be sinking with that defense. <laughs> and he's right. Like right, right, right. When you have guys behind you that can catch the baseball, you're confident to you know throw the ball in the strike zone and, and let guys hit on the ground. You know, Justin Steele, a guy who's shown a lot, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what the next step for him is. Another guy who, you know, can cut it, can sink it. You know, you don't know what you're going to get from Kyle Hendricks, but uh, historically a guy who knows how to cut it and sink it. Jamison Tyone, same thing, two-seamer, change-ups down in the zone. Like, this is going to be a team I wouldn't be surprised if they led all of baseball in uh, ground ball percentage for pitchers because I think they've built this starting rotation and built their defense to accommodate for that. Yeah, and I agree. I think you got, like you mentioned, the younger guys coming in latter, in the latter half of the season where they wanted to see what kind of guys they had. Christopher Morrell doing a really good job. Nelson Velasquez. I mean, guys that stepped up in those in those sort of moments. But you're right. It is the defense that is behind this pitching staff that makes me think, like, hey, these guys are probably going to have a, a, a good season. Um, where do you feel like the Cubs are at in their rebuild, so to speak? Do, do I think that they are going to be a playoff team? If you ask me right now, Gabe, no. No, no. no. They're not. But I think what they did this offseason was they raised their floor dramatically, right? Like last year, if you looked at the Chicago Cubs when the season started, you're like, all right, they're going to be uh, the bottom feeder of the NL Central. And, and for most of the season, that's what they were. Now, they played a really good ball, especially in the back half of the season. And I think that's a, a good launching pad for them this year when you add more talent. But they really just laid, raised their level of professionalism. You know, they got guys in there who had uh, come in. And I don't mean that from a uh, – like the guys last year weren't professionals. I mean in a – you know, they, they added veteran experience to a roster. They added a guy in a Dansby Swanson who went out and won it all down in Atlanta in his hometown and knows what it means to lead a, a clubhouse. And, and the guy's only 28 years old. And so – you know, that's a guy you build with in this next era of Cubs baseball. And so for me, will they go out there and win 89 games, Gabe? No, I don't think so. Uh, but could they be a team where you look up at the end of the season and be like, wow, the Chicago Cubs won 84 games, right? Uh, in a year, a couple years after losing uh, 90 games consecutively? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they could be competitive. It'll be interesting to see, and I know we're going to be watching it, and then I'm sure the Cubs will be watching and looking out for Manny Machado in the offseason. Hey, <laughs> hey, Russ, I appreciate you hanging out with me on a Friday, man, and giving me some of your time. Look forward to having you on the show again, all right? My guy, Gabe. I appreciate you, bro. I got you, bro. I'll hit you up. Uh, Russell Dorsey, host of The Rally. Make sure you guys check that out on Bally Sports. Uh, he's also the MLB insider, and he's doing Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV as well. So make sure you guys check him out during the season. All right. It's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. I'm going to play a couple more clips from Theo Epstein just to kind of round out this, uh, wrap up this hour-long uh, sports talk show that's based on some baseball today. He had some other cool things to say about the com- competitive nature of baseball and some of the changes that are happening. I'll play that for you guys on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670 The Score. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. 
Happy Friday, Chicago. It is Gabe Ramirez broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Get to talk a little bit more. That was a great convo with Russ Dorsey. Good guy, man. Knows Spanish really well. That's uh, something. Sometimes he talks to me and I'm like, bro, I don't even understand what you're saying. That's how good his Spanish is. That's how good his Spanish is. Uh, I've, love- heard him, I've heard him do that before, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's very, very, uh, it shocked me. We were on Sports Talk Live together, and then uh, that was a show on NBC Sports, and I was doing some sport, some stuff there. And I just remember being on, and he starts talking Spanish to me, and I was like, oh. And, and I started Slow cursing down. in Spanish. I started cursing in Spanish. I was like, no, man, he got. But good, good dude right there. And I love the stuff that he said about the rule changes and – trying to make it more palatable for others that are out there. And Theo Epstein, I mean, he really got into it. I mean, obviously, Theo Epstein, uh, former exec with the Cubs, he's currently the consultant for on-field matters for Major League Baseball. And here's some more here's some more stuff that he had to say with Mully and Hall. This one is uh, was interesting. It's about the shift ban. And he talked about where it adds value in each respective team in Major League Baseball and where that value comes from. There's going to be a premium on middle infield defense, especially the second baseman. I think that's the the position that um, the profile changes the most um, because the, you know, the most, the most effective shifts were in the past were against left-handed hitters and you could really hide, you know, uh, a third baseman playing, you know, a, a third base profile, um, at second base, knowing that when when a lefty was up, you could put him in a position where he didn't have to range that much and give the shortstop the, the majority of the hard work. Well, now that second baseman's going to be naked. He's got to cover, you know, along with the first baseman, cover the whole right side of the infield. You can't stick him deep, deep into shallow right field. So range, athleticism, ability to make plays at the extremity of your range. So in other words, diving plays where you where you leave your feet uh, glove the ball and, and pop up quickly and throw throw the the, base, the batter runner out. That's going to be extremely important. So I don't think teams are going to try to get away with a bat first, you know, sort of corner profile at second base anymore. I think you're going to need more athletic second baseman. That's I think that's good for good for the game. And obviously, your two Chicago teams have some some good second basemen. White Sox, Romy Gonzalez. People are just saying singing his praises right now. And then of course. As you mentioned, Nico Horner for the Cubs is going to be playing up the middle. It's going to be – listen, the teams are going to adjust themselves. Like, you can – we can put any rule in place. But somehow, some way, they're going to find some loophole around it. And that's the part that I'm interested in. And you know what? The counter move. You know, real quick, too. Russ, Russ – I didn't think about this. Russ nailed it. The Cubs have designed their team, it seems, around this kind yes. of rule. Because they are really strong. They have three potential gold glovers up the middle. Right. And think about this, studs. If – Let's say you're, you know you're not allowed to put more than two, or not allowed to have more than two infielders on either side of second base. So if you have Bellinger still in center or kind of roaming that left center area, for I'm talking about for a lefty batter, and then you bring Ian Happ, a Gold Glover, like that's who you're going to end up uh, putting behind Nico Horner and like Trey Mancini or Hosmer for that matter, you know, over there to play that little like you know, short center kind of a position. And you have Ian Hat playing that position, like a gold glover. Like, that's crazy. You know, that's the thing about Hat. He gives you so much flexibility. Right. Because he's, he could play center field for you every 100%. day. 100%. But so he's a really, really good left fielder. Exactly. And he's going to be a great weapon for the Chicago Cubs to use when trying to adjust to these, these new uh, rules that are in place, including the shift ban. But Theo Epstein continued when talking to Molly and Hall about who he thinks it should help out the most. 
last roster construction piece just with the with the shift again is that it it, it should restore a better in-play environment for left-handed hitters you know with, with with the extreme shifting left-handed hitters have had a much more difficult in-play environment um, recently than they had previously and this should open up you know some more hits for those left-handed hitters and i think that was always an exciting part about the game as well right you see a lefty come up with a beautiful swing i mean even when you play baseball casually you're just like lefty, you know, he's just straight power hitter trying to pull the ball, get it to the best spot possible. So, I mean, at least we get to see a little bit more of that without taking away the effects of that left-handed hitter. But listen, these are, these rules themselves, this is the thing, right? There's going to be an adjustment period, but Theo says that there will be something that every team will be able to notice after an adjustment period. It is extraordinary to me that there is so much sudden change, right? Like it's not just one rule. There's four major rules at one time. Did you contemplate spreading it out more and, or is it better to just, uh, here we go with this, this is the new game. I think baseball as an industry can be slow to change, you know, to, to slow to change with intention and that the, the game has been changing a lot on, on its own over, over the last several years, just through these optimizations and, through the way organizations are, you know, positioning players, training players, you know, the, the, the way players are going about playing the game. So I, I think we felt it was overdue. And testing these rules in the minor leagues, I don't think we're asking anything of players or umpires that they can't handle. These are the best athletes in the world. You know, the players have had input into these rules as well that they can't handle with an, an adjustment period. I mean, the, the pitch timer really does become second nature um, after, you know, the three to four week adjustment period. The bigger bases, we found that there's essentially, you know, no adjustment period or, or just a matter of a couple of weeks that, that should be adjusted to by the end of spring training. And then, you know, the playing without extreme defensive shifts is simply, you know, a return to how the game was played for its first century and, and how you know the game is still played the majority of the time. You're just you're just eliminating you know the extreme the extreme shifts. So that shouldn't be that much of an adjustment period. I think limiting the amount of um, pickoff throws, which isn't a necessary element of the pitch timer rule, because right. it closes closes a loophole. That will take some adjusting to, um, and, and we think over spring training in the first few weeks of the season that should be accomplished. So, yeah, we there were some you know some other things contemplated and some things down down the road that, depending on the results of of um, you know these rule changes, are contemplated that that we felt this would be too much. This would be asking too much of the players. This would be asking too much of the umpire. So I feel like these ru- rules were streamlined and simplified enough where. Uh, it's realistic that we can go out and have uh, a really good season altogether. That's Theo Epstein right there talking to Mully and Hall earlier today on 670 The Score, just talking about the time it's going to take for players to adjust to the new rules, but then what should happen once that time has passed, right? I think everyone is going to have positive results, and I agree with Theo Epstein. I think it's going to make for a better game. That's what you want. Regardless. I used to remember, I remember last year when I would watch games on like YouTube TV you know, when you hit the fast forward button, it would go by 15 seconds. And whenever I'd be watching a baseball game on replay, I knew that I could hit the fast forward button twice between every pitch because there'd be the extra 30 seconds. And I will say selfishly, as someone that runs a lot of Cubs games here on the score, I <laughs> cannot wait for this. Yeah, no more. <laughs> you, I mean, there's a there's a reason why I tweet out. I got this. I picked this up from Herb Lawrence when he worked here. After every game he worked, he would tweet out the time that the game took. 
Oh, that's funny. That's, so that's the reason I do that. <laughs> and it's because it's just like I hate it's how brutal. long it takes sometimes. Right. And, that, and now you get the opportunity to shave off 30, 40 minutes. That's all anybody wants. Makes the game more palatable. Let me get a chance to go drink, bro. Three hours, they realize, is, is way too long unless you're watching an NFL game. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez here on 670. The score, speaking of the NFL, uh, there is another analyst who is calling for the Bears to trade Justin Fields. Uh, we'll find out why this guy is an idiot on the other side and then talk a little bit more about what's happening in the rumor mill for your Chicago Bears. We'll do that after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 